This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Literary Briefs, where we don't wear underwear. That's not actually the point of this, but I thought we to say it. <laughs> We're just talking about pants and lack thereof. Okay, we are with Tamara Lush. Woo, she's here for part two. Yay. Yay, yay. We discussed many things on your previous podcast, but this, oh, I didn't even say where it was. That's, I'm good. Okay, so with me today is not Austin Scott Collins, because he's not here. Instead, it is... J.M. Piquette. Woohoo! co-hosting with me. Um, So this is our literary briefs episode where we do rapid fire questions. I don't know why I keep saying that, because it never happens that way. But the first one is, what is your favorite book? Favorite book is, do you want romance genre or just overall? You can do both. Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. Oh. Um, And I would say for romance, it would have to be Again the Magic by Lisa Claypas. Ooh. What are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I'm actually reading a lot of mysteries. I'm reading a series of mysteries by Cleo Coyle called Coffee House Mysteries. It's set in New York City. Um, it's a coffee house in New York City. It's a co- technically a cozy mystery, so there's no, not much sex. There's no real swearing, and there's not a lot of gore, but it's a great, it's just a really, really great and compelling mystery series about a woman who runs a coffee house and her ex-husband also has a hand in the coffee house and he kind of shows up and is sort of a jerk but he's kind of sexy too and it's and there's some interesting murders I really like it I find it very it's kind of a soothing murder mystery series I, I don't think often you can say soothing, soothing murder well, mystery. Well, but with cozy <laughs> mysteries, you can. That's the thing with cozies, you the, know? It was very, it, it made me relax hearing well, about the see, death of this person. See, here's the thing. With cozy mysteries, justice is always served. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That is very true. So you know how it's going to okay. yes. work out. It's very similar to romance in some ways, but it's quirkier. Okay. So then um, what book do you hate? What dislike, book do like I least, hate least or favorite? dislike? Um, it's hard for me to say one. I mean, as a romance writer, we don't usually call out other authors. I call I, out other <clears> authors I, all I, the time. I'm just going to call out. Um, I think there's a, a, a lot of books, especially in KU, that may or not may not be written by the person on the cover, and they're formulaic. And they don't do any favors to the romance genre, which is rich with excellent writers and excellent plotters and just generally excellent people. And I don't think that the people who are exploiting the genre for money, um, <clears throat> I, I don't like those. I, it, it's kind of offensive to me. I can understand that. Can can I ask when you are? No, reading, you can ask nothing. I'm, Shut up. I'm just asking, be. I'm doing just it. sit there and look pretty. It's no, just kidding. <laughs> Um, I find when uh, when I read a book, even if I'm not enjoying it, I have to finish it, and it's awful. Can you just let it? Like, do you get up to a certain point in a book where you're I can like, just I'm finish? Done? I and I'll tell you, I can do that with TV too. Do you know the TV show You? Yes, you've seen You. I got two episodes from the end, and I'm like, eh, and I ended. Like, I'm very much a, I'll just end it. 
That's amazing. Walk I actually have to say, because that one, the ending episode was actually pretty phenomenal. Was it? Like two episodes in at, from the end, I was like, I was feeling it before that, and I, I kind of liked it. At first, I was kind of horrified. Then I kind of liked it. I kind of thought it was funny. And then I, I, I just, if I if it's not to my liking, I don't finish. Like, it's life is too short. No, I do the same thing. I, I often will get a few pages into something or, or watching a show, and I'll be like, like, I usually give most shows a few episodes because I think when most shows or even most books, first-time authors start, they're a little bit don't know where they're necessarily their feet are. But I go, does this grab me? Am I in the story? Am, am I a part of it? Or am I like, this is horrific. I say that because I've also separately been reading a, a book series and then I feel committed to the book series. So the next one comes out and I feel like I'm torturing myself as I'm like, this is the worst thing in the world. That's my problem. I'm I'm not really, <clears throat> I'm not really a series reader or a series writer. This is the first series I've ever written, Paradise Beach. Um, prior to that, my series were all either based on one couple and they were serial novels or they were series that were based on place. So it wasn't really tied to story. It was just tied to a place. So, oh, okay. Well, don't give her a series of books to read. No, yeah, like series. Yeah. I, I'm much more, I'm probably more, I mean, really when it comes down to it, I'm probably more of like a women's fiction, literary fiction reader that I like standalones and that's done. So describe your writing process. Describe your process for us. Um, usually I plot pretty heavily first as, as it, it didn't used to be this way. I didn't start out this way, but now I will actually plot because I do also write a lot of serial novels. And because I write serials, I want to be well in ahead. I want to be ahead. Um, I want, I want to be, have, I want to write ahead before I post because of my day job. If I'm traveling, I don't want to be caught with no episode to post. So I tend to, um, plot kind of, it's almost like a snowflake. Like I, I, there is a thing called the snowflake method. So I, I have a core idea and then from there I kind of branch out and I kind of, ultimately what I do is I plot every chapter. I plot like a paragraph to every chapter. Oh, wow. <clears throat> like, like the, the mystery that I wrote, um, what is the name of the mystery? You didn't say the name. Do we have a name so or the, are you waiting to see the if The working name. Okay. The working name. I can tell you about it. I mean, the you working... tell us about it. Yeah. We didn't even ask on the last so, one. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, the working name is Steaming Hot. Ooh. Um, and it's a purgatory cozy mystery. And it's about a coffee shop on a Florida island called Purgatory. <laughs> And so the heroine is a laid-off journalist, a laid-off Miami journalist who comes home to her Florida island, and she takes, and she's 28 or 30, and she takes over her family's coffee shop. Her mom started the coffee shop, and her mom passed away, so it's kind of her family's legacy. Um, She loves Fleetwood Mac, and she is trying to just figure out what she's going to do with her life while running her family's coffee shop and kind of trying to make it work. And then her star barista, this sort of sexy alpha male named Fabrizio Bellucci, he Ooh. dies. He dies. Oh, that's unfortunate because that's a name. He's right like there. the he's like the island bicycle. Everybody gives him a ride. <laughs> I hope that's a line in the book. I hope that's a line in the book. Oh, my goodness. So, but the thing is everybody, so she kind of, but he like sort of jumps ship to the other island coffee shop. So... She has it out with him. So everybody kind of thinks that maybe she had something to do with his death. Like, did she push him to suicide or did she actually push him off a roof? Like, he dies when he falls off a roof. 
So she goes, she's a former journalist, so she goes to the local newspaper, which wouldn't hire her because she's too overqualified, of course. She's like, look, just pay me $50 and I'll write a feature. And the editor's like, okay, fine. And so the love interest is Aiden Garcia. Um, Aiden is the um, new police chief in town. He's a Cuban-American from Tampa. And he, um, and he's like, you can't just investigate the crime. And of course she does. And so in the, it's a very Florida. So we have her monkeys with herpes. We have an eyeball on the beach. We have a, a like a shrimper who's like kind of sketchy. There's um, also a surfer who may or may not have ties to the mafia. Like it's very Florida. And welcome to the freak show stage. Right, exactly. It's very <laughs> like Florida man, Carl Hyacin meets Bridget Jones. Wow. Very cool. So I'm really hopeful that my agent will be able to sell that. Oh, I have no doubt. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's We're the most positive fun thing. thoughts. Fo- positive thoughts. It's, positive I think it's thoughts. really fun and I'm I'm really excited about it actually. Do you have a sequel already in mind? I do have two sequels. Um, in the next one, there's a yoga teacher who dies. And then in the third one, the new girlfriend of our heroine's ex-husband dies. Oh, oh. So, like, I do have, I like, I'm hopeful that it will be, like, a Janet Ivanovich kind of long serial, you know, quirky Florida setting. No, I think that's yeah. awesome. That sounds cool. No, it sounds cool. So- as far as process, are you? Do you write like on a laptop? Are you? Are you a pen and paper? Are you a, a sticky note? How's your um, process? Actually, I start on my free write. Do you guys know what free write is? No, we're learning all kinds of things I, for you on this podcast. So I have a free write. A free write is essentially an old school word processor that has like those big keys that make the very satisfying clacky noise. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a little tiny window so you can see like six or eight lines of text. And it will, uh, once you're finished, it uploads whatever you just did, but it doesn't allow you to edit at all. So you have, like you can reread, but you can't go back and edit like six lines before. So, Which is probably a good thing because there's a lot of people that can't stop themselves. So you have to write forward. So I start every book on that. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I, I make the switch over to Word. And I just write linearly. Linear, is that a word? That even? is. <clears throat> I, I write in a linear fashion in Word. I don't write in Scrivener. When I look at Scrivener, I want to die. And that's, yeah, I can't. I know actually a lot of people that are getting away from Scrivener because it it. it has changed their writing methodology because of how it works. Yeah, I'm a very, like, when I plot, I I plot to the end, and I write the, usually I plot the end first, especially in the mystery, I plotted, like, okay, how did the person die, who killed them, and then I plot backwards. Mm -hmm. So there's times when I do write the end, even in the romance, I'll write the ending, so I, I mean, that's like a news technique, like when you write a, a news feature story, you write the end first. Um, so you know where you're going. So I kind of tend to do that. Did you always want to be a writer? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, a writer or a journalist, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, when I was um, seven, I wrote a book in... I wrote, like, one of those little books in seventh, like, in second grade or whatever with the construction paper. And so the heroine, um, basically, she was a writer, and she, she sort of fell in love with, like, a swashbuckling foreign man who was... I was heavily influenced by Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, with and, your entire life, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> she basically, like... And and I basically, and I think in eighth grade, I found... I have this somewhere. I basically said, I want to travel the world and, you know, have a foreign boyfriend and be a writer. And I'm like, all right. Well, Check. 
Check, 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 <laughs> check. Done. Accomplished. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Basically. I mean, even though in, my, in our real lives we're really boring and we just like snuggle on the couch with the dogs, but that's not necessarily boring. It, I mean, it's it, what makes you content. Racing around the country and racing around the world is exhausting. It really is. Travel is great, but I think people grossly underestimate. <laughs> Like it's exhausting. Well, can we that and you know it's great seeing new places, but it's kind of like visiting family. Like I, I have a three to four day limit on visiting family. Oh gosh, because they can be on their best. Ba- not that my, I, there are many parts of my family I love. Don't get me wrong, but you, you three or four days, you don't have their real life click creep in. Oh. To pass about three or four days, their life starts creeping in and right. somehow you're dragged into that and yeah. you want your own bed or whatever. And I, I love mean... traveling, but then you're on a plane sometimes. Like I went to South Africa. That was 36 oh my God. hours. Oh my God. You know, and I'm, I did all this amazing stuff there. It was 24 hours there, 36 hours oh. back. Ugh. But I did all this amazing stuff there, but I'll tell you right now, and I know this will change because it's only a couple months ago, the big memory I have is 36 hours of right. plane flight. No, I went and to I- South Korea and I feel the same way. It was like, oh my God, that plane flight was just... But you know what? You're right about the guests. Like my in-laws from Italy will come and and they're retired. So they'll be like, oh, we're going to come for three weeks. And I'm like... No, no, no. <laughs> Are we going to rent a house? Like we have a tiny, and then, but my dad, you know, he's American and he comes, he's like, all right, 72 hours, got to get moving. You know, he's like moving on. Like, no, I think it's important. I, if, if I could do one gift into the world would be have three or four day vacations, mm-hmm. unless you're doing something like if you are going and you're all going to go climb the Grand Canyon and you have like a scheduled, you're doing this and you have every a large day. house to stay in. Yeah. Well, a large house or whatever, <laughs> but you, you've got an, Something where you're not just hanging out. It's kind of like camping in general. I, we're, I know we're getting totally off topic, but I can't stand going camping. And the reason I can't is not because of the nature or whatever. It's out. Well, there's, yeah, there's that. But even worse for me is you're stuck around people for hours and hours, generally without a fucking activity that you're doing. Right. Like once you, once you light the fire, what else is going on? Exactly. So you're either drinking which is like, or you try to play games and it's not like you can play like a card game out in the middle of the woods. It doesn't work that See, way. See, okay. <laughs> we didn't get to the sex last time too much. No. <laughs> but let's I'm going to bring it up now. Okay, let's talk about sex. I kind of think that if you're camping, that's really when you have sex. Totally, but if you've got seven or eight of your friends. <laughs> it gets awkward. It gets awkward. Noisy True. and... True. I just go, you know, and I know a lot of people who like it, and some people like to go hunting and fishing or whatever, whatever stuff. But yeah, because like, yeah. you don't even have like the TV or games to like like actual games to break it up. I don't know. I guess you could read in the tent, but then you'd be antisocial. Exactly. I, I will. The best vacation I could have is like go somewhere really wonderfully nice and read. Just sit by yeah. a window and watch the outdoors through glass. Yep. That's why. And have warm coffees or something yeah. brought to you mm-hmm. a cheese plate every now and then yeah i keep this. thinking about those sorts of you know like sandals or I, I say hedonism but that's you know those places in in the caribbean but hedonism seems like it would be really there'd be a lot of expectations for activity there like, actually is not, is not i got the you, opportunity to go to a hedo resort how was that it i'm was, very curious about well that. you know what the most interesting part of actually one of my novels coming up in my series is going to be about going to hedo mm. So I think there are different kinds of people, obviously, that go to Hedo. But the thing that I realized about it was there, you know, when you go to Hedo, hedonism, 
is usually a nude resort, mm-hmm. right? So I'm just clarifying that for listeners. Um, and what I found was I actually had to get over my own body things mm. because nobody there gives a flying crap. Right. Everybody's naked. Nobody <clears throat> cares that you're naked or what you look like. Mm-hmm. Their determination of being attracted or not attracted to you kind of doesn't, like, they either are or they're not just like real life. But I realized I had to get over my own thoughts about how I looked going into hedonism. And yeah, there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of swinger couples and you can do that or you cannot. I actually at first started dating um, my boyfriend that I have now a few months before I went down there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about it and I mean, he's wonderful and he was like, dude, you know, we, you were planning this before you met me. Right. So I don't want to get in the way, but I was also like, no, I want to be with you. It's fine. So I had a very much an outside view oh. and I like interviewed people there because oh, I was like, cool. I'm going to write a book. So I want to know why you're doing this and stuff. But it was very like, it actually took away like a weird social thing being there. Hmm. And it, I, I mean, obviously there was a couple, um, creepy people, but generally the rest of the group, like a beehive gal goes after those creepy people and gets them out. So you're just oh, that's cool. kind of comfortably. So instead of laying on the beach, like you normally would, you're laying on the beach naked. Oh, so you can just relax and you can, you're not totally. pressured to like do stuff. Not Even only. with like sandals and club med, I always wondered if there was a pressure to like participate in activities. No, there's sexual not. or not. No, there's not. Oh, I mean, I, it was fun going to the pool and you're naked in the pool, and if people come up to you, you can just go, yeah, no, thanks, mm. thanks. You you do have to be confident, though, and I think that's true in life. Because right. you can go to a dance club, and we've all been to dance clubs where um, guys come up and dance on you, and I call it denim penis, where you can basically feel their heart <laughs> on through their jeans. And you're like, you know, like, you're right on my ass. So how about we, we just take a step or two backwards? <laughs> like, let's do that, you know? But... <laughs> This one, at least, they kind of ask you before they come put their penis on you, I guess. Manners. Yeah. Manners. And I think it depends on the place, too, and the crowd. If it's a bunch of young people, I suppose you'd have a different thing. I didn't have that. I had all different age ranges. Nice. What were we talking about before we started talking about my visit to you? We were talking about sex. Oh, we were talking about (laughs) sex. On camping trips. On camping trips. So, um, has your husband read your books? He has read some of my stories. He read actually the story in Best Women's Erotica, Cleus Press's Best Women's Erotica. My husband's first language is not English. So reading is not like this leisurely pursuit. Like reading in English is not a leisurely pursuit for him. I mean, he can read in English and he can write in English, but it's not like it is for us. It's not like this leisurely like breathing for us. So that makes it a little difficult. He has read some, um, excuse me. Champagne. Um, he, <laughs> there, you do not need to say excuse me. Excuse me. Um, I felt very ladylike there. Yeah. Um, I do sometimes ask him, or I did used to ask him about plot points. Um, at one point I asked him, um, well, what would the hero do to prove his love to the heroine? Like they're on a beach and like, how, like what could he do that's romantic? And he was like, he thought about it and he was like, well, what if he punched a barracuda in the eye? <laughs> that is a very guy like, thing. That's a very specific thing. What does that have to do with a romance? No. So I, I don't usually ask him stuff anymore because he comes up with stuff that's just crazy. Barracuda. Like, okay, is there even a barracuda it. in the Gulf? Like, can you imagine just like punching it? I don't know. Like, I, well, no, I've seen barracuda. You can't actually punch them right. in the eye. That's not a thing. Like, how? Like, how is he just going to go into the Gulf and grab one and punch it? Like, the, what? Poop for yeah. no reason. Toss the fish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, 
see it, and he's drunk. Yeah. He's drunk. <laughs> well, it's kind of like when a guy revs his car engine. I'm yeah. sure there are women that... I, but anytime somebody's revving their engine, I'm like... You know what? I was just thinking that that sound, <laughs> I'm wet now. Thanks. Yes. Right. Let me get in your car. Yeah. I think that sometimes what men think is really a turn on maybe just isn't. And that's part of the allure of romance is we can write around those details. Yeah. No, you can write the guy to do whatever it exactly. is that does turn you exactly. on. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, we were talking a little bit on the last podcast about the three hand thing when you're writing sex scenes. Um have you, did you ever run into that where you wrote and then you had to go back and read it and go, oh, wait, yeah. they, they, they have way too many body parts happening? And then- Yeah, yeah. And when I wrote my pen name Reverse Harem, that got really crazy because when there's like four and five people, it's like, who? Like sometimes it's just like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of hands. Yeah, here are some, we're going to get our action figures out <laughs> and put this thing together to see how this would work. Yeah. Do, do you find when you're writing sex scenes that, that there's still part of your brain that puts some kind of underlying like social commentary meaning into it or does it, does it go away? No, I don't find that. I mean, I, I don't, I think that of all the things, my first editor said that, you know, my, my editor on Hot Shade actually said, I like your writing, but I'm not in love with your writing. You do sex the best. So I think... <laughs> um, and you should no longer be my editor. Thank you. I'm going to hard pass. I'm talking to you again. Um, so I, I feel pretty uninhibited when writing sex scenes. Like, I just do. Like, I don't have a lot of... Um, I, don't, I just don't have an inhibitions with that. I don't have issues with my job or my family. I don't have kids. So I think that that, I think there's a lot of reasons why I don't have inhibitions. To me, it's, I don't want to say it's like any other scene, but it is kind of like any other scene. And I really, really try to have every sex scene inform or put the, like advance the story in some ways, even if it's just emotionally. Do do you, do you write safe, safe sex scenes? Are there condoms? Do condoms come out? Mostly. I got asked this question the other day, and I thought it was an interesting question, is do you use protection when you're writing sex scenes? Mostly, yes, because that is a thing. I think most romance readers now expect that, and if there isn't, they expect a baby at some point. So I am pretty... Um, How many babies have you produced? <laughs> two. Two? Oh, two babies have come out of that. Two. Ah, two. They're my older heroines, though. They're my heroines in their 30s. Um, None of my, like, I think my younger heroines probably want babies. Well, no, there's, um, well, but she's in her 30s, too. Uh, Most of my younger heroines don't end up, like, maybe they end up engaged at the end or maybe married, but they don't end up pregnant. Like, in Hot Shade, they don't use protection. She's, She's on birth control. But that is sort of definitely a plot point. Like the birth control and protection is a plot point. And, um, but she doesn't necessarily want children. That's interesting. Yeah. But my older heroine, my, in Tell Me a Story and Constant Craving, pregnancy was it actually was a fairly big plot point in both of those books. That's very cool. So um, being an... Do you find it difficult to switch or is it uh, sort of a relief to switch? So you write some pretty serious news articles. Not that you haven't written stuff that's more fun, but a lot of what you write now, especially write, is more serious commentary. Yeah. You cover the political stuff, correct? Um, this year I'm covering um, voter demographics. Yeah. So that's... <laughs> 
That's serious. Yeah, no, I don't envy any of that. (laughs) Um, But do you find that this, you know, writing the mystery um, or the romance or or the erotica, any of that, do you find it it helps relieve? Because I know a lot of people who write full-time say it's a little bit harder for them to write when they come home because they do that as their job. Do you run into that? Or is it a, Um, a, a getaway from... It definitely is a getaway. Toward the end of 2018, <clears throat> I had covered a lot of mass shootings and executions and just a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, and that's when I took my sabbatical. I mean, the sabbatical was planned, but I took the sabbatical and it was a much needed time. So I'm in more of a refreshed state right now. Um, at the moment, I'm actually not writing anything at this. Oh. Be- I mean, I'm kind of in this revision period of the mystery. So I'm not... I'm not actually writing anything new right at this second. And I may not be for a couple months. Wow. Because you about five years ago started down this path and you were doing a lot of writing. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely go in spurts and I I have ideas and I'm, I'm plotting ideas right now, but I don't want to, this particular year, um, because of the election and because of the day job, I don't want to overcommit. Like I'm very mindful this particular year of not overcommitting. So I want to make the mystery as best as it can be and see if it sells and see where that goes before I start saying, okay, I'm going to commit to a three season serial or another book in the series. I don't want to, I don't want to overcommit. I, I think that I see a lot of writers getting burned out because they <clears throat> put up 10 books for pre-order and they have a bunch of stuff going on. And I think that that's, I can't, I, I can't do anything justice that year. This, this year has to be kind of focused on my day job. Totally got it. Okay, so what advice, because we're going to wrap up soon, but what advice would you give authors out there? Because I want to hear this advice because I asked you this question five years ago. I want to hear what your answer is now. Uh, my advice would be, one, to read widely and to read a lot in and out of your genre. And my other piece of advice would be to do lots of research. I'm talking about genre fiction now, not literary fiction. Um, If you are writing genre fiction, I would do a lot of research on whether or not you want to be an indie author and whether or not you feel it's for you. I would take a hard look at the budget you have to spend and whether or not you're able to financially sustain things like ads and promos and all of that and decide whether or not the indie path or the traditional path is for you. Very cool. And then if you do go the traditional or indie path, patience. Lots of patience. Patience. Lots and lots of patience. You know what you, do you remember what you said to me when I asked you this before? I do not. I don't remember yesterday. You said that, okay, well, that's true. (laughs) I don't remember five minutes ago at school, but you actually said to write what you love. To mm. write what you enjoy writing. And I don't know if I would say that same thing now. That's what I was wondering, because when we talked about it, you you had just started, and it's really interesting mm-hmm. being able to have you on this podcast and have that journey, because yeah. it changes. I mean, I, I think it's great, and I think it's a great thing to write what you love, and I certainly do try to write what I love, but if you want to try to make money, I'm not sure that that is... Um, I think that should be a consideration, but I think you need to be open to other things as well. Very cool. Well, again, how do people find you, my friend? TamaraLush.com, T-A-M-A-R-A-L-U-S-H.com. And on all of the social media. All of the social media. And 
we really appreciate you being here. You're amazing and wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. This has been Jam Paquette. That was adorable. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I was trying to throw it in. No, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, This is Erica Lance, and this has been Drinking With Authors. We'll see you next time.